Hello there and welcome to the Time Film Podcast, where we talk film, TV, games and all that jazz that is known tomorrow. This week we're talking about the best films of 2022. My name is Tom and as always I'm joined by my co-host John. How are you this week? Hello. Yeah, I just can't believe it's the end of the year already. It's just nice. <laughs> I know. I mean, this, ep- this episode's coming out like on the 8th of January. It's insane. Yeah, it is insane. We've just been through a lot of movies this year. A lot of bad ones, a lot of good ones. Some really terrible ones, which we won't mention in this video because we've just been through them. So you can, yes. you can find out you, what the bad movies yeah, you are. Can, you, you can listen if you want to hear the bad movies. Uh, yeah. Just yeah. A, a quick disclaimer. I have a very sore throat. So apologies for any voice cracks or you might hear me coughing. I'll try to mute, but there we go. But welcome everybody to the best films of Train 22, the video yeah. where we just gush about films and why cinema is so goddamn amazing. Obviously, we cover a lot of stuff on the pod every year, but this is for the unsung heroes, the movies that really stood out from the rest. And who knows, maybe we'll see some familiar favorites from 2022. Um, But we're going to give our top 10 of the year from 10 to 1. And if there are any picks on both of our lists, we're going to wait and talk about them together. Uh, So with all that out of the way, uh, John, start us off with your number 10. So my number 10, it is Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Ooh, that is also on my top 10. Okay, okay. Immediately a very exciting one. Okay, so my number 10 is The Woman King. Oh, I don't have it in my uh, top 10, but it's a very good film. I'm going to put it in honorable mentions, which we'll talk about at the... Yes, uh, there will be be some honorable mentions towards the end. We We will quickly rattle off. But yeah, The Woman King, I loved this movie. It was almost like a pseudo blockbuster that kind of came out in like August, September. And I thought that the way that it conveyed power was fantastic. I mean, the the action scenes in this one really stood out. This is a film based on a true story about female warriors in Africa. And I thought the way that it depicts violence and combat skill was so good. But it wasn't all about that. A lot of this film is about family whether that be found family or actual family and I thought that the way that it conveyed these messages of you know a sisterhood was just so powerful I really did gravitate towards so many of the characters and you know it came together with just some beautiful scenery and some amazing practicality I mean if there was any CGI in this film I didn't see it it all felt so real and so grounded and it all looked like it was shot on location I mean it it looked amazing i mean i i I don't know exactly where they shot it but i want to go there it looked beautiful and they knew how to balance the moments of love with the moments of horror various aspects of the narrative that goes into the slave trade and i thought it all came together amazingly with some powerhouse performances by viola davis and lashana lynch and all the cast john boyega loads of great people in there and of course the score as well by terence blanchard was just incredible it was just so good it was such a surprise i didn't really know what to expect but it really just hit on every level yeah you said the words out of my mouth yeah that is a great film i don't have it in my top 10 unfortunately but it was just very hard to go through all the films i was like ah oh, that, that yes. film's so good there's so yeah, many so that film is just great yeah i loved it yeah absolutely so uh give us your number nine my number nine is she said oh i haven't seen she said please Tell oh, me. right. Tell me. Cool. So this film, I'm very surprised this film wasn't presented as much in like an advertisement or yeah. uh, in a lot of things like in social media or anything. But 
this was shown in uh, Cineworld a lot. And yes, it was. And some cinemas as well. But this was just there. And I was like, oh, that's cool. It's got Kerry Mulligan and everything. The whole premise of the film was about these two reporters from the New York Times. And they are trying to reveal this whole thing that happened in... Well, this is in 2016. No, 2017, actually. So 2017, these two reporters tried to reveal what Harvey Weinstein did to these actresses or producers behind the scenes of Hollywood. And this was a powerful, powerful story. And you are just completely compelled with the story with these two reporters that they're brave and they are trying to do their best. And you feel that emotion with them. You feel like this is completely wrong for what Harvey Weinstein is doing. And what the film did was they went into the situations that what you did from audio to, you know, what the report says and to actors and it just felt so real. And, you know, you feel this news that is coming towards you on the screen and just feel like, wow, that's something that you never thought about. And it's just like how you need to think about the workplace as well for other people, especially women. This was a very powerful film for women to realize, you know, how we need to respect each other in the workplace. And this just raises a lot of questions as well. And I'm glad that I saw this film. That's a very important film to go through. And I love how there wasn't anything wasted in the film. I thought it was just going through scene by scene. It just gave us everything that we needed to have. And there was no nonsensical dialogue. This was just a strong piece of history for Hollywood as well. Like this is a time of movement where you need to think about the workplace and also other people. So yeah, this this is a strong film that I recommend. Brilliant. I mean, you just reminded me though, I, I have to say, we're not going to be talking about spoilers for any of these films. If you like the idea of any of these films, you like the sound of it, go out and watch them. You know, we're going to give a very baseline. So yeah, just disclaimer going ahead that we're not going to be talking about any spoilers. Yeah, I really want to see She Said, and I missed it because I was so busy at university, but it's definitely one that I want to see. And it's really, really tanked in America, which is a real shame because, as you said, it is telling these really important stories. And, you know, I hope that it finds life beyond the cinema hopefully like on streaming and yeah. stuff like hopefully people yeah. will see it more it definitely comes off bombshell like that kind of started like yeah. a genre of me too films and i feel like the genre can only go up to new places well my number nine is bodies 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 which is your oh. number 10 so let's yeah. talk together about bodies oh bodies, my bodies. God. we talked uh, about this already already on the podcast so if you want to know our full yeah, yeah. spoiler full thoughts you can oh. go to that video but I mean, what a movie. What a movie, yeah. That one was just completely unexpected to, you know, what we've seen, like, throughout the films. It was like, oh, God, no, not another Marvel movie. Oh, God, like, I can't, <laughs> I can't go to this. But this was so refreshing to see in a whodunit. But kind of, yeah, like a thriller, you know, mm. it's more about our generation with social media and how we communicate our friends with different certain languages, how we talk to other people, mm. you know, with social media and, and how we use that relationship. The ending just tells it all. Yeah, you know, so you... you've got like a whole, you've got like six or so Gen Zs in a house together and it's a kind of murder mystery where one of them gets killed and, and there's a lot of horror elements and I agree with you, I love this kind of commentary on the aimlessness and the hubris of youth and how that is completely perpetuated by social media and the way that people talk and you know you see this group of friends who have no real reason to suspect each other of murder just break down in the ways that every kind of great whodunit does yeah. and i love yeah. 
that way and, and the film makes you feel so claustrophobic it's got oh, yeah. tight and shaky cinematography and there's a lot of it is in the dark with torches and you don't really know what's going on and i feel like they convey that all so well with some dialogue and acting i mean the acting you know like whether it be from oh. the man himself lee pace or kind of more more central amanda stenberg or rachel Sennett or maria bakalova it really is just a film full of amazing actors who are conveying Gen Z's surprisingly accurately, I thought. Yeah, it's weird how they've done that, but they captured that so well. You know how we feel about today, this mansion that they're living in. And I thought they just conveyed that really well with the acting. The acting was just superb. Yeah, really was. And again, listen to our video on it if you want more thoughts. Uh, What's your number eight? Now, this might surprise you, Tom, but my number eight is Living. Ah, okay. Well, Living is on my list. I won't Uh, tell you where, so uh, (laughs) we'll come back to that. My number eight is Nope. Oh, okay. Uh, I have Nope as well. Ooh, okay. We'll move on to number seven then. What's your number seven? Bullet Train. Oh, okay. Bullet Train is not on my list. Please, let's oh. talk about let's oh, talk about we... Bullet Train. Oh wow. Okay, so this is a very hard list to make because Bullet Train was in the back of my head this entire time throughout this year. I was like, damn, that was a really <laughs> good film. That was a really funny film that I thoroughly enjoyed with the characters. Like my favorite is just Tangerine and Lemon. Like, oh my god, that was just so funny making references with the jokes as well, and I just love that. With the whole trend, like the thriller, it, it was just very different. I love the cinematography. I love the uh, mise-en-scene on the bullet train. And I thought the story, piecing it together so well, helping the audience to remind, you know, what's really happening, what's at stake. And it didn't go any cliches or anything like that. Like this guy, Brad Pitt, he's just an unlucky guy. What a Butch brilliant anything guy. About the film. Love it. There's some hilarious moments in the film, which are just perfect comedic timing. There's a snake in the toilet. <laughs> I love that one. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I had really fun watching the film. What I love about it is just the sound, the way how it's just hyper-realistic. Some people said it's a Tarantino whip-off. Shush. It's not. It's <laughs> it's David Leach. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's a lot of a lot of similarities to Tarantino and Guy Ritchie. The narrative is very experimental. It does kind of jump around in time, and it has different chapters to it. Like, what? That doesn't, like, like, it shares similarities, but other than that, it's... You know, I do think it is its own thing. I I was with a friend yesterday and she was like, oh my God, you know what I saw? And I was like, what did you watch? And she's like, I watched Bullet Train. And I was like, yeah, Bullet Train really is just so much fun. Again, it's another one that we have done an episode on. So, you know, if you want to hear our full thoughts on Bullet Train, it it is just brilliant, isn't it? It's just so much fun. It's so brilliant. And my thoughts have just completely changed. Like, wow, that is a very (laughs) fun film. That is just so good. Okay, I saw a bullet train twice in one day. I saw it with you and I saw it with my dad. I was like, yes. In the same day? In the same day, yeah. Wow, that's brilliant. No, it really is like, you come out and you're like, oh. Like, I imagine, you know, watching it again, there are so many different things to notice. Yeah, and I was like, Oh my god, that suit that the other yes, Momon Mon Momon Mon. I love that. That's just a funny yeah. part of the film, just and it's like, packed and it's packed with a really great cast as well. And there are some oh really fun god, cameos. Yes. Don't watch a trailer, I would say. Go into it blind because yeah. there's some really fun things that you know you really don't expect, and I loved it. Yeah, like I didn't watch the trailer many times. My mind's blank. What's your number seven? Well, my number seven is the Batman. Ah, I have the Batman as well. 
Okay, okay. So what is your number six? My number six is Dragon Ball Super. Okay, right. Now, this is one that I haven't seen, (laughs) and I don't know much about Dragon Ball, so I'm very interested to hear your thoughts on this one. This one was a great experience. It's not like the others that I talked about in the past, but this one was just incredible how they've done with the animation. It's very hard to tell you where in Dragon Ball lore this in, but the good thing about the film is that it tells you what happened in Dragon Ball Z, and this is Dragon Ball Super. So Dragon Ball Z is before Super, and this one was just so much fun with the animation. It was so cool with the sound design, and it doesn't focus on Goku, Vegeta, or Broly, or Beerus. It doesn't focus on those guys. Like, those are the most powerful guys. But this, it focuses on Goku's son, Gohan. And Gohan has been, like, a prominent figure throughout Dragon Ball. Like, is he the most powerful? Is he, like, the side character? But it focuses on that as, like, him as a father and him as a Super Saiyan. And I liked how the film was constantly going through with Gohan and Piccolo as well. And the animation was very different because it was very 3D a lot of the times, but it didn't really throw me off. I thought it was just very seamless, and I thought adding it to the whole experience. And the film had a lot of fun moments as well, and some really strong moments as well for Gohan and Piccolo, because they're like a double duo in Dragon Ball Z. And there's a lot of animations in this film as well. There's a lot to talk about in this, but I loved how they did like massive callbacks to Cell. Yeah, Cell. And there's some really cool moments in the film that I was like, oh my God. And it was just awesome to experience it in the cinema with the sound. And it was like, wow. So yeah, that that is Dragon Ball Super Hero. Brilliant. So, so it's, yeah. a, it's a worthy, it's a worthy addition to the Dragon Ball canon. Yes. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. brilliant. So my number six is the worst person in the world. Ah. I haven't seen now, this one. So well, yeah, this 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 was I think this came out in most places in 2021, but it came out here in 2022, hence why it's on the list. And <laughs> this is a Danish film? I don't I really should look I really should uh make sure that I'm right in that the worst person. Oh, it's a Norwegian film. This is a Ah, Norwegian film. And unfortunately I couldn't catch this at the cinema, but I did manage to watch it at home. And I thought that this film was just so enchanting. There is a specific sequence that captures the magic of the moment where the world quite literally stands still. And I think that this film is just so good at capturing moments in time, moments in a life. You'd think from the title that the film is about the worst person in the world. But it's very difficult when you watch the film, you know, to see what angles it is looking at that from. Does the protagonist think that she is the worst person in the world? Is the film telling us she is the worst person in the world? Who knows? (laughs) But there's a lot in this film about letting go and the tragedy of that. This is about a woman who is constantly moving in her life and she's constantly unsure of where she fits and how to be happy it's about knowing when to do things for your own benefit a lot of the times you might feel trapped and unsure you might be in a relationship that you're not enjoying or you might be at a job that you don't like or in a place or whatever and you've got to know that even if there might be some pain there might be pain of letting these things go you've got to do it for your own benefit and i just think that this film captures that so well and it really did move me to that point 
there is a lot of pain in this movie, but there's also a lot of joy. And as I say, it's capturing these moments, these moments in time that you think about and that you love and that sometimes chasing those moments and trying to make them a wider reality, trying to make them more than just a moment, that can be really difficult. And it can be something that, again, it can lead to pain or it can lead to happiness. And it's all about the pursuit of that. And what does that say about us as people? Does that make someone the worst person in the world just because they are chasing the magic of the moment? I don't know. But I thought that this film, it crafted its character characters and its moments so well in just such a enchanting way that it really really was just mesmerizing in all the best ways and it came together with some really really great well-realized characters and i just loved it it was what a great movie i think it was in the conversation for best foreign film at the oscars i can't remember but it definitely was uh definitely has a lot of critical acclaim to its name i see i see i haven't seen it yet but i'm very intrigued to watch it now yeah uh, definitely recommend well, not it not now i'll be like yeah right right now john <laughs> right now now we're on to top five of ah, the film we so... are indeed what is your top five uh what's your f- uh, five? <laughs> f- five 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 is avatar 2 oh damn now avatar the way of water does not make it onto my list but please let's oh, talk more about ooh, avatar damn <laughs> Oh, man. So I heard that you were ill this week because of the sore throat. So yes, uh, my dad was asking me, do you want to see Avatar again? I was like, sure. So I thought I see it again because I want <laughs> you to. You were like, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah, why, why not? Because Tom, he's not well. So I thought. Yeah, we were supposed to me. see it again together. But yeah, silly me. Silly me for becoming silly ill. Me, silly me. But this film, I just saw it recently again. And man, oh, wow. We talked about it on the podcast a couple weeks ago, but oh my God. Wow. Mm, I've, uh, just, I've just been editing that video this morning. Oh, wow. It's, uh, it's a masterpiece. Yeah. Oh my God. The way you are completely involved in the film, which I mentioned about, and how this 3D merges with you. It's not in your face, but it just makes you like you're completely immersed in the film. But Besides from that, I was thinking about how the story was focusing on family, like as Dom Twitter says, family. Family. And how we need to have our back working together as a family and, you know, how we need to stick together in dark times and how we can work together so well. So that just reminded me of like Jake Sully in the second one as more of a, not as a protagonist. Well, he is kind of a protagonist, but more like a secondary character, which I didn't mention about in that podcast. And I thought that was just more appropriate for him focusing as a father. And I thought it was focusing on the kids as well. And I thought that was like, you know, again, the central theme, family. And I thought about Spider as well. And I, I was like mixed feelings about, you know, Spider. I was like, is he a good character? But I thought, again, I was like, he is completely fatherless. And he looks up to his father. And I thought that was just another compelling story. You know, he wanted to be with his father this entire time. But I was completely forgetting he just wants to help him. But then again, it's going to lead him to some really bad consequences with the sea people. And that was another stronger thing as well in the film. It was just more focused on the kids, thinking about their choices as a person, what they're going to do in that time, and thinking about who they are and making their own way, the way of the water. Ah, uh, 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 he did it. He did it. Uh, <laughs> he and, did it. And I thought James Cameron was making this whole world, and he was just thinking about everything in the water. Like, he was in the Mariana Trench for quite a bit, and he was like, yeah. Well, he, was just, he was just living there. <laughs> 
He just he was like vibing. Shop. He was like <laughs> just yeah, vibing you know. in the Mariana Trench yeah. for like a year. Yeah, it was just an amazing experience. I was just like, damn. It really is a great experience. And as we're recording this a couple of days ago, we it just hit the billion mark. I have no doubt that it's going to hit $2 billion as well at the box office. Yeah, it's going to be a hit. One thing that I have heard a lot of people say, frustratingly, is that, oh, it's just a carbon copy of the original and that it's too long. Again, we addressed this in our video. It's not too long. If anything, it's too short. And also... It's too short. I think you're a bit of an idiot if you think this is just a carbon copy of the original. There is so much more to it. There's so much more, as you say, about this level of family and this level of who you are in relation to your family. It almost spins the who you are in relation to your species element of the first film. And I just thought that that was really cool. And there's a lot about, you know, seeing the beauty in the oceans and the sea life and i just thought it was also good and the way that james cameron builds the film and he crafts it to this incredible third act amazing i don't know how you can't just fall in love with this movie i mean it was literally at my number 12 it was so close so getting into my top 10 maybe if i had had the opportunity to see it again it would have made it in there but who knows who knows who knows Right, tom what's your five well my number five is the northman Ah, I haven't seen Northman. Uh, go, I haven't seen go, Northman. Go. Oh, well, Northman. I mean, like, what a movie. So this is Robert Eggers, who directed The Witch and The Lighthouse. And it's this kind of like Nordic, like almost Viking revenge story starring Alexander Skarsgård and Annie Taylor-Joy and Ethan Hawke and Nicole Kidman. So great, great cast immediately off the bat. And this... First of all, the way that it presents the cold and the night, I, 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 like, there's so many films that work with, like, you know, shadow and heat and cold, but I think that this film kind of being set in Iceland and that kind of, like, again, it's, it's got, a, you know, some sort of Nordic setting, and I just think that it really presents the pain and the difficulty of living in these conditions so well. There's a lot about being tough, being like a Viking and, and you know, like being like a man. <laughs> and I don't think that's not necessarily why I'm, I'm not watching it. And I'm like, oh yeah, men. <laughs> no, no, no. Man! Exactly. It's just like, I think that it, all these things do really add to it. And there's this whole thing about vengeance and the cost of it. What does it do to somebody being so hell-bent on one thing and not allowing yourself to kind of move on? In a lot of ways, it's similar to the feeling of being trapped that you get in The Lighthouse and The Witch. And I think that they do that really well with one hell of a twist that really reframes the narrative and, and has so many comments about happiness and about what happens when, you know, you've spent your whole life thinking about this one thing and things about letting love into your life. And similar to The Woman King, but on a different level, the action is so good and so visceral and so raw. And the main character is just a beast of a man sometimes. The way that he tears down enemies is such a joy to watch. And there are moments with fire and with mud and with the elements and like, you know, this power of nature to these fight scenes that have swords and axes and fists. And it's all just so like... It's exactly what you'd expect from like a Viking action movie directed by Robert Eggers. It really was amazing. And Damn. yeah, like it was just a great, great experience and something that really, you know, makes you pump your fist. It has all those elements and I really, really loved it. 
wow yeah this is a film that i was actually anticipated to watch but then i didn't get to watch it at all i was like oh it is a shame i mean i watched it back to back with the unbearable weight of massive massive talent which is the oh um, nick cage ah, the nick cage yeah the nick cage movie which i didn't think was very good but i really did enjoy this one and definitely think it was worth the watch so what's your number four my number four is the batman ah okay so that was my number seven Let's talk yeah. about the bloody Batman again. Oh my God. Another, another one that we already did a video on way back in March. So, you know, check that out if you're interested. But yeah, the Batman, let's talk. Where's the beginning? I'm glad that I was like looking to, I was like, okay, what films came out this year? And I was like thinking about like, oh God, we just got bombarded with Marvel films and uh, mm. DC films that there was good, there was meh. Yeah, but of, one, of, of varying quality. Yeah, of varying qualities. But this one. This one didn't feel like a comic book film at all. It felt like a proper, moody, dark, gritty detective story that is taking the pieces from Batman, uh, the one where Frank Miller wrote. It was Long Halloween. Long Halloween, yeah, sorry. Yeah. year two? Or was it year, year one? Year one. I did, it's yeah. confusing. It's one of <laughs> yeah. them. It's one of them. Maybe it's but, both. Oh. What Matt Reeves thought about was this whole world of Gotham and how he's going to tackle with this Batman. And I thought it was just amazing how it all was set up for him for this whole film. And there's like an arc for this Batman as well. And there was one scene that I thought that was just set up Batman so well. I read the new 52 comic book one and Scott Snyder absolute legend he wrote this variation of Batman being this hopeful one. And I thought that was also reflected in in the batman as well i thought that was just there in the end i thought that yeah that is wow yeah absolutely. i mean you can't really go wrong with batman i think all the iterations of batman have merit and have something but what i i loved about this is that it somehow it injected life into what is coming up on being a 60 year old franchise this can be said for some franchises not others you know for example top gun maverick Definitely, that was a great film and definitely yeah. injected life into that franchise. Sometimes that doesn't happen, but yeah. it's always a joy when it does happen. And I think this film, it showed Batman in a completely different way that we haven't seen on the big screen before. Matt Reeves took what he has done with Planet of the Apes, what he did with Caesar and his characterization and the characterization of all those characters. And it tells a Batman film about loneliness and about lies and about the truth simultaneously and just like you said the way that it shows shadow and the way that it depicts gotham in this kind of messy neon city you know from that opening monologue where batman talks about they think i am in the shadows but i am the shadows it's amazing and it's something that i never thought we'd see on screen and as painful as it is that we never got to see a ben affleck batman movie I'm really excited to see what comes from this iteration of Batman. It is just done so well, you know, whether it be the action scenes or the quieter scenes. And similar to Avatar, this film is three hours long and it doesn't feel like it. It goes by like that and it really is yeah. just amazing. And it's so well shot and the music. Oh my God, the music. The Batman theme that Michael Giacchino came up with. It's just, I can't even describe how great that theme is. 
just the slow build of we're definitely out of tune we're definitely out of time right now that's gonna sound terrible on the playback but i'm keeping it in baby yeah no it really is amazing and yeah as you say the ending the way that bruce goes through this arc by the end, he isn't just vengeance. He can become Batman. He can become that symbol of hope for Gotham. And I really would love to see where the franchise goes. You know, we've got some TV shows coming. We've got sequels coming. I definitely think that this can have a lot of longevity and can really tell the definitive Batman story. And please put Robin in the sequel. Please. Please. And it shows that comic book movies, they're not dead. They can still be as fun and innovative as they have been. And... I tell you what, the other week I watched Superman the movie, the original oh, yeah. from 1978. Oh, yeah. And oh my God. Oh my God. It gave me so much hope. It's so good. And I just think that, you know, it's been a rough year for DC, but there will be light. I still have faith that we got some great stuff coming. So, you know, all we can do is hope. My number four is All My Friends Hate Me. Ah, I haven't seen that one. Okay, so this is, I think, is it on movie? I don't know. Um, Never watched anything on movie, to be honest. Well, some of these films have cinema releases. I saw After Sun recently, that, that's, that's on movie. I've seen a couple of films that have had cinema releases. But this one, this is about a guy who rekindles his spark. I don't know. Meets a load of old friends again from uni, right? They haven't seen each other in ages. Pretty simple premise. And immediately from going on, something is wrong. There is this paranoia in the air and this feeling that everybody has changed and that something is different and that everybody's out to get the main protagonist. And when watching this movie, there were so many elements of it that spoke to me I think, you know, growing up, I have had similar elements of paranoia and not trusting friends and not having great friendships either. And I think this film really spoke to that. It spoke to the idea that it's so easy for all your friends to just stop liking you and to just leave you. And if you're anyone like me, that's going to hit you like a truck. (laughs) And, you know, I really I saw that and I was like, oh like immediately just slammed straight into me. And I was like, damn, there is this fear of friends not caring. Like what happens to that? It's an isolating film where in a really genius move, the casting, all the actors are so believable as friends. And then one of them is just slightly off. And that's our protagonist who just doesn't feel like he fits anymore. And maybe things can never be the same. And almost like, you know, something is going very wrong and they're literally out to get him. But there's also a sense of unreliable narrator in there. Like, is this really the case? You know, is it all in his head? Is he just being paranoid or do they really not like him anymore? Or is he making them not like him anymore by acting weird? There's so much to be said about it. And there's so much this film delves into. There's so many great twists in the way that it turns what we think and who we are aligned with. And I just found myself sitting there watching it and just feeling like this could so easily be anyone. It genuinely is something that is really scary to think about, but also just done in such a great way. Uh, there, there goes my voice. <laughs> just done in a great way. And then, um, and then just, I, I just like, I love it when just a small movie that I've never heard of, I'll be like, ooh, I'll check that out. And then it's just fantastic. 
And it really, really was incredible. I loved it. I really did. And I, I 100% recommend it to anyone. Damn. Right. Now it's time for oh. the top three. Oh, what's your number three, John? Nope. Oh, well, nope is my number eight. Let's talk I about see. nope, why don't we? Ah, yes. Let's let's talk about <laughs> nope. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, 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 yes. So nope was a very interesting film from Jordan Peele. The the Lord himself. The Lord himself, like up there with the greatest of directors. And this film was sticking to its theme. And the theme of the film is about spectacle. Basically, the whole premise of the film is about, well, I can't spoil it, but there's something in the sky. And the animals go a bit crazy, electronics go out when this mysterious thing in the sky that comes out. And there's other mysteries surrounding it. But that's just the premise of it. But the premise mm. of it goes beyond than that because it sticks to the theme. So there's multiple layers into this film that I really like that completely reflect everything about today. Social media, how we view Hollywood, like it's making a statement on Hollywood and how we should treat with respect. I said this with, she said, but with the animals, I mean, I don't know what I'm saying, but there's a lot of animal then, I guess, but animal I mean, Gordy, antics. Ah, animal antics, yes. With Gordy, with Lucky, yes. with Clover. I'm so impressed that you remember all the names. I do not. <laughs> But that doesn't make it any less good that I can't remember some of the names. It, it's it's all about it's all about using animals and using just things, u- using things for spectacle, which yes, is which is yes, ironic yes. because this film is such a spectacle. So much of it is just beautiful to look at, and it's calling back to westerns, to sci-fi's, to kind of like '80s Spielberg, if that makes sense. It will make sense yes, if you've seen course, the movie. Yes. But it also twists these in really really fun ways. And it builds characters so well. I mean, Kiki Palmer and Daniel oh, Kaluuya Palmer. and everybody in the movie are just so fun to watch and so alive. And, you know, the way that they like are all trying to work together to figure out this like mystery is amazing. And there really are, like, in the third act, some of the most cathartic sequences. But also, you know, Jordan Peele is flexing every muscle in his body. He's also flexing his horror roots. And you've got elements of thriller and of action and there's drama in there and even some twisted comedy. And it's just like, man, this guy keeps on. Like, I think this is his best film yet. I thought it was amazing. And it's just like, this guy is just mad. I love him. I really do. And I think that, you know, like, what can I say? He's just brilliant. Like, there's a moment in the third act where the title of the movie is said. And it was just one of those movies where I was like, fuck yeah. And then, like, the third act <laughs> kicks into gear, and it's just like, damn, if you haven't seen it, you need to find the biggest screen yeah. possible. Oh, even whether, whether it be you buy a projector, you need to do that because this movie deserves to be seen for the spectacle yeah. that it is, because it is yeah. just fantastic. Again, we did a podcast on it. It's called Nope is Fantastic because it is fantastic. It is fantastic. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. It is pure horror as well. I mean, it's like building up the idea of the unknown. And it is absolutely traumatizing. I was like, in the cinema, it was just, oh, it was just pure horror. And I just, I felt really scared. Oh my God, go watch it, please. Ah. Yes, absolutely. And that brings me to my number three. My number three is Living, and that's also on your list. Ah, That's your number, what, is that your number six? Eight. Eight, number eight. Yeah, Living. When I heard about this film, and this is a film where Bill Nye plays a proper English gentleman in oh, the 50s. Oh. 
Ah uh, yes, he's, he's 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 working at his filing company, and he is Which, you know he's he's oh, getting oh, trained to work and reading his newspaper, and he is saying good day, sir, and day. he is you know he's, he's properly in that, and he's told that he doesn't have long left to live, and it really makes him reframe how he sees the world. And when I heard about this film, I was like, okay, sounds interesting, but I was very aware that this is a remake of a Kurosawa film, yes. and. I was very much like, I don't know if this is going to work. You know, when do remakes ever work? I'll tell you when it works right here. <laughs> this film is just amazing. First of all, it is just immaculately presented. It is so beautiful. It's an ode to the 1950s and the way that it presents scenery and the way that it presents emotion is just brilliant. And it has this really, really nice comment on how do we choose to live? You know, do you want to spend your days just pencil pushing and just filling out forms and you know not listening to the plight of those below you or do you want to live do you want to really live it's almost a spin on the christmas carol story do you want to live making your life and everyone else's life miserable or do you want to live and keep christmas in your heart this one it takes that and it talks about youth and age and how they differ but they don't have to you don't have to look at an old person and and, and see them as out of touch there's you know there can there can be life in everyone and I think it presents that in in such a touching way. And it, it really was just so sweet. Yeah, it was just wholesome. Well, I mean, bittersweet as well, like the entire film. And yeah, it, man, like Bill Nye just gives out like the performance of his life. And I thought that it was just complementing so well with the story and how he wants to live his days. And there's some great moments in the film where uh, he was in the circus singing and then thinking about his life. And I thought that was just, it's very existential, but I thought it was just like, how should we think about, you know, our days left? We should be living in every moment. Ha! Living, uh, but yeah, that is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and the way that it's structured as well, it has a really nice moment in the second act, at the end of the second act, which really makes you, you know, anyone who's seen it, you'll know what I'm talking about. Some characters walk out of a building and then it cuts and you're really like, oh, my God. Wow. And it, it, it really does have something to say about how short life is and, you know, like how you can't waste your time. And I think that it really is just fantastic the way that it uses its narrative. I loved it. So uh, what's your number two? Ah, now it's time for the top two. So <laughs> it, it is Glass Onion. Oh, wow. OK, so Glass Onion doesn't make my list, but. Let's talk about Glass Onion, another one that we've already done a podcast on. Yes, I'll make this short and quick. So I thought Glass Onion was just an amazing film. Man, like how Ryan Johnson thinks about, you know, the whodunit genre and how he wants to bend it narratively with the characters and how do we understand these characters, but then we see a different perspective. And I thought he explored that so well with Benoit Blanc and all these other characters. Oh, it's so funny as well. It's a lot funnier than the first one, which I like. Uh, I don't mind it, but it was just very funny. And the music was just great. And yeah, the story, the story is just so strong. And the plot twist, there's a great plot twist in the film. It was just so funny. And the characters were so realistic. Uh, I thought that was just a great commentary on, you know, on the world today. I thought these, all of these films are quite reflecting the social commentary, but Glass Onion was just a fun time. And that, that is why we enjoy it. Yeah, it's just come on Netflix. I only had a one week run in cinemas. So unfortunately, your only option is Netflix now. 
but it still doesn't make it any less great. It definitely is a lot more twisty and turny than the first Knives Out. It's difficult to talk about without spoiling it. As I say, we have our full spoiler podcast that we already did on it. But yeah, again, another one. There are so many great movies this year. This is my number 16. It was also close to being in the top 10. But yeah, I loved it. My number two is Belfast, which I know is on your list as well. I wonder where. Yes. So we'll wait um, for that. And let's let's talk about some honourable mentions before we do our number one of the year. Let's just rattle some off. Do you have any honourable mentions? Okay, so what was the other film that you mentioned? I don't know. <laughs> go, go back to your number nine. My number nine. Bodies, bodies, bodies. Uh, next one, sorry. Woman King. Woman King, yes. That's another honourable mention for me. That is a good yeah. film. What other film? Um... Well, I've got a couple. Uh, here's here's some ones that I think are absolutely essential oh. for the year. Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, which yeah. we did a, a podcast on, is Agreed. fantastic, wonderful spin on the original film, stop motion animated, amazing. Matilda the Musical, which is in cinemas in the UK and on Netflix everywhere else, is just such a lovely, cute a beautiful film that made me cry uh, and I never cry at films and it made me cry. And it's, uh, it, it, oh, it, it's oh. so electrically shot with the musical sequences and, and it's got some wonderful performances and it may not be as good as the play, but it is really great. Everything um, everywhere all at once. I'm sure oh, you've heard yeah. how good it is. It is yeah. really great. Great spin on the multiverse. It is great. Um, it is. It's really well directed and you know, it, it's got like a great, theme on on family it really is fantastic family that was about family. to be on the list uh, oh really yeah 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 so i was like damn that's a great film but yeah, yeah it, it, was it, was it was close it was close for me it was close it was very close it was a very very great uh, film i had a nosebleed watching it in the cinema oh yeah oh my god it was, was so like... intense that your nose exploded <laughs> another honorable mention sonic 2 <laughs> oh sonic 2 baby what oh my a movie. god that just is... fun just it's really, fun. really fun. fun. Don't yeah. don't expect a masterpiece, but it is it is a masterpiece. It, but it, like, it, it, it's just stuff. really fun and it's funny. And yeah, we had a great time watching that one. We did a podcast on that one as well. So you can check that out. Brilliant. My final honorable mention is After Sun, which I think is a really, really oh. wholesome tale about what? a father and daughter. And it captures the feeling of being on holiday really well and the idea of memory. And I don't know if that's still in the cinema, but I think it's a movie. Lovely. No. Well, I'd like to mention actually my favorite film of the year, Jurassic World Dominion. No, 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 uh, no. Morbius. Uh, Morbius. <laughs> wow, probably um, that film made more billion dollars. What a uh, twist. Who expected that? Twist. Let's do our number one picks. John, I wonder what your number one could be. Oh, you know it. You know I know it. it. Uh, Belfast. Belfast. That is the number one film of the year i'm very intrigued what to hear your number one is but belfast let's talk about did you, belfast did you did you think it was going to be belfast yeah i thought it was <laughs> no <laughs> but no yeah belfast is my well, number two I, 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 it is I don't amazing know what film you have on the oh, wow okay all so, in good time my friend all, all in, good, in good, time. good time um belfast is just a masterpiece in storytelling about this family that is living in ireland in the 60s where protestants and catholics weren't mixing together as much there was a lot of conflicts between them and it focuses on more on kenneth Branagh's life is it 
on Ben. Yeah, Kenneth it's Brenner's... like a it's like a self insert. It's kind ah. of telling the story of of Kenneth Branagh's life. Funnily enough, ah. very similar to the Fablemans, which isn't out in the UK yet, but is is a similar thing of of Steven Spielberg's childhood. We are going to do a, a podcast yeah. on the Fablemans. Well, we'll um, do we'll do an episode on that. Absolutely, um, but uh, yeah. but yeah, this is this is kind of taking Kenneth Branagh's perspective, and and if you've listened to our Thor video, you will know that I shill Kevin <laughs> Kenneth Branagh. I almost called him Kevin <laughs> Branagh. Who's Kevin Branagh? No, 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 yeah. it's Keth- Kenneth Branagh, Gilderoy Lockhart himself. I love him as a performer and oh, as a director, yeah. and yeah. this film, oh, oh, There's it's so good. It's so good. Like the cinematography, it's beyond that. Like beyond some of the stuff here, but. The cinematography it is just incredible, and the black and white just completely reflects that era in the sixties. You know, with the black and white, and it just completely reflects on the time of cinema, the time of literature, the time of the stuff that the child has seen, and and it's like through the colors that you see stage productions and uh, yeah, black and white films. And there are some really great moments of color that are unexpected and really do perpetuate this love of cinema this love of stories we all have stories and you know these stories can really touch people and this is a this film is also about stories and the stories of you know people in ireland and there's this really nice message about the ones who stayed at the end you know they have stories too everybody does and and it's brilliant and you know kenneth branagh director of thor director of two poirot movies you know, he's done a lot of work with Shakespeare material. And you get, with this being a self-insert, a lot about what he loved as a child. There's a scene where he was reading a Thor comic. And I was like, because he loved Thor all his life. Oh it's so cute. And, yeah. like, you know, you can see, like, what it does to him when he sees a movie on the big screen. Or when he sees a theatre play. It really does have so much. And this film frames some really dark themes through the lens of childlike innocence for a child the worst thing might be stealing a sweet from the store but to the wider world people are dying and there's genuinely sides that are being chosen and i mean it's just so well cast with you know the mother and the father and the grandparents it's all just got some immaculate performances that really perpetuate this idea of family 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 i love how it was just so emotional as a child we would not experience emotional stuff but like you know from that perspective but we see all the different changes and i thought that was just another aspect of like you know about perspective like as we were children and we thought about like some of the stuff changing or some of the stuff that is happening in the world today and thought about like what can we do and make our choices but that's reflecting in the adults in the film i mean i mean judy dench Oh, I don't know if she I don't know if she won the supporting best supporting actor at the Oscars, but she was nominated and she was just Incredible. amazing. Yeah. She really yeah. was the heart and soul of the film. And, you know, similar to living, there's a lot to be said about age and youth. And I think it all comes together really, really nicely. It is a powerful story. So I recommend it is a masterpiece. It really, it really, really is. You know, I was I was ready for Belfast to be my favorite film of the year. It's a masterpiece. To me, it's it's perfection. But but then something just really hit me, like a truck. Again, like I was saying earlier, you know, sometimes the most unexpected film comes along and just destroys you in every possible way and connects with you on a really, really deep and emotional level. This year, Cha Cha Real Smooth was that film for me and so much more. And so comes in as my number one. It's a film that considers happiness. What does it mean to be happy? How do we find that in ourselves? 
and how sometimes someone who can make others feel happy can't find meaning for themselves. That's something that I really, it really struck a chord with me. Watching the main character try to find out who he is while also trying to be the best person possible. I, I just melted watching him be happy in everything and everyone apart from himself. I felt like I could understand that. And it was so unexpected, yet so profound. It was just wonderful. I'd been told this movie was great. I'd been told that it was a really good representation of autism on screen. And it is both of those films, but I didn't expect it to move me so profoundly. The director, Cooper Rafe, I ended up watching another one of his films called Shithouse, which was also amazing. And both films are about person at university struggling to know who he is and where he is in his life and that struck a chord with me because I feel like I'm in that exact same position and this film it perpetuates these ideas about kindness and empathy and seeing the good in everyone and being nice and being kind at all the right moments no one is weird everyone deserves to be treated the same and these are things that I feel like everybody should perpetuate, that everybody should, you know, be trying to be the best person they can be. And that's not easy. And this film, it deals with those ideas. It's not easy. This film, it didn't blow me away with its cinematography. It didn't have breathtaking sequences on a huge budget, but it was human and it was real. And there were sequences with songs that really made me break down and just made me just think so inwardly about so many things. And that is so important. When a film does that, you know, it's it's like nothing else. It didn't get a cinema release in this country. And I hate that. It's on Apple TV Plus. So, you know, anybody who has that, which I know isn't, isn't a whole load of people comparatively to other streaming services, it, it's really, really worth it. It is just... You, know, you wouldn't think from the... From the title, Cha Cha Real Smooth, that it is anything too profound, but it really did hit me. And it might just be me. I might not even be that much of a masterpiece, but I really, really did connect with it. And I did feel like for people our age, people at the uni level, there is so much that does connect to you. I just loved it, man. And is it a better film than Belfast? Maybe not, but it really did hit me. And it really did have so much to say and so much that connected with me. And I loved it. Wow. I've seen this trailer earlier. This okay. Year, and I don't know why. I just forgot about it. I just, well, I just d- forgot. Uh, don't you have Apple TV? Yes. Right. Okay. Well, 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 well. You, you need to watch it. It really uh, is amazing. I don't, know, I don't know how I haven't watched this film. Oh, Great my cast. God. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it really is just fantastic. I really recommend it. But that's our, that's our top 10 of, of 2022. That is. And that, a... that ushers out the year. I mean, first of all, we've been recording for so long. <laughs> we've been recording for over an hour, which never happened. Oh, that's fine. But I want to say uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. And thank you, everybody, for your support this year. We've made some big steps in the way that we've made our content this year. I've been editing the podcast this whole time, and we've got shorter videos, which I'm really proud of. And yeah, I just want to say thank you, everyone, for listening. If you enjoyed this video, you can give it a like and subscribe if you want to see more if you're on YouTube. And if you're on Spotify, you can follow and give us a five-star review if you think that we're worthy And next week, we're going to be talking about our most anticipated films of 2023. We've got a lot of fun stuff coming up in the year. So, yeah, a lot to talk about in terms of that. And you can send us an email. Tell us your thoughts on the best films of 2022. What didn't we talk about? What do you feel is the best of the year? Or maybe were there some that we said that you hadn't considered before? Tell us your thoughts. We'll answer them right here on the podcast if you email us, at gmail.com. And you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Film Pod.
man wow thank you for listening we've been through a lot of films this year these are my favorites so yeah and tom's favorites as well and tell us yeah tell us in the comments what you thought about the films this year and where would you rank them so yeah uh yeah absolutely and there are some films that you know we've missed obviously i haven't seen the banshees of inishirin which i really want to watch oh. and i know is on disney plus but i haven't seen it and i'm told it's amazing yeah banshees that's an honorable mention that is a great film as well. oh brilliant uh, nice so good that is it right awesome thank you for listening take what you're given give nothing back goodbye goodbye <laughs>